Welcome to Talking Cars with Consumer Reports. Today's a really special episode. We have my guest here and friend of the show, uh, Wayne Carini from Velocity Networks and Chasing Classic Cars. I'm really happy you came by um, because we have another special guest, which I'm sitting on right now, which is the 2015 Ford Mustang, which I'm really excited to actually see in the flesh. Great to be here today uh, to see this great car. Um, I got a sneak peek of it a couple weeks ago out at Pebble Beach, but, but to see it uh, up front and right in front of us here, Fabulous car, great design. Um, takes us back though to the original Mustang a lot. Which we happen to have right here. Yeah. This is a 64 and a half sitting here with a, the rare 260. I guess that was only the, the intro year had a 260? Yeah, well it was, uh, it was actually a Falcon platform that these cars were built on with a different body. So that they, they, they wanted to go into production really quickly and didn't have a chance to really design their own platform for the car, so they used a lot of Falcon components uh, out of the Sprint, the 260 Sprint Falcon. So they basically reskinned this car, and the thing was just an incredible, incredible head. I mean, they sold so many of these things. Yeah, it was, it was something, back in that era, um, a new car coming to the market was, was something that was just such an exciting thing that was about to happen. I mean, we would go actually sit at the Ford dealer and wait for the truck to come <laughs> and, and, and see the cars come off the truck. And they did it in the evening too. This was a special presentation. They didn't want anyone to see the really? car until it was the actual you know, debut of the car. And usually the first couple of weeks of September, that's when all the cars came to all the new dealerships, car dealerships. And we would travel around as kids, you know, to have our parents take us around so we could see all the new cars. That's awesome. See, I yeah. don't see any kids like hanging out by the Hyundai dealerships these days. No, it doesn't happen. <laughs> and, you know, uh, there's so much in, in magazines like yours and, and right. online, like your online um, uh, formats, that people can see these cars way ahead of production, where before, this was all very secretive. So, I mean, this is, so this is pretty interesting. So we have sitting here, this actually has got a manual transmission of the 2.3 liter turbo. So tell me, is... Unbelievable, and it, what's it got, 300, a little 300 over 300 horsepower? horsepower. I, I mean, four-cylinder. Out of a four-cylinder. So I mean, but doesn't a Mustang need to have a V8? I mean... Well, I mean, it, I don't think it really needs to have a V8, but it certainly uh, gives it a little more grunt with a V8 in there. And now, with, of course, with all the superchargers that they have on these engines, I mean, they can, they can crank out six, 700 horsepower out of these things, yeah. which blows away the 300 horsepower of this car. But what makes this car, I think, really unique is, is that it becomes more of a usable car for somebody to drive every day, to go to the grocery store, to go to work. You know, it gets great fuel economy, but yet it's got 300 horsepower. I mean, 300 horsepower in this era yeah. was an unbelievable thing. People were saying, 300 horsepower, oh my gosh. You know, normally they were 100, 110 horsepower cars. So to triple that amount of horsepower back in the early 60s, it was, it was something. Yeah, that's really amazing. So, I mean, this car, I mean, this was a big hit when it first came out. Now, Mustangs kind of went through a bunch of trials and tribulations, like, through the 50 years. So yeah. we got 50 years between these cars. Um, it wasn't all highs. Um, not at all. Not at all. I mean, the Mustang II, you know, uh, that was that was really sort of a that was a sort of a flop. I mean, you know, yeah. so we had we're downsizing. We're trying to get fuel economy. We're trying to get lightweight, but yet we had to to build cars with huge bumpers on them to to pass all the safety right. requirements. Um, it had so many emissions requirements. So basically, they took a Pinto like they they took with a Falcon, right. and they made a made a Mustang out of a Pinto. <laughs> Not too many people knew that, but it was it was uh, the platform that they used. Yeah, you know, I was going through our, our the back issues of Consumer Reports, and in '74 we tested a uh, Mustang too, and um, overall, I mean, it just did not do well in the test at all, but I mean, overall, I think we said 
because uh, it prefers the EMC Gremlin to it. Um, basically did everything as well, but the Gremlin handled better. So it really was not a good car, and it wasn't received well from, by not, people. Not at all. I mean, you know, and the, and the normal car came with a four-cylinder engine and a Mustang too, and then, of course, you could get the V6. There was no V8. You know, that, that, was, that was available back then <clears throat> with that type of car. The good thing, though, was is that they kept the, the Mustang brand alive. Right. And they kept it going, where a lot of companies would have said, you know what, we can't make a performance car any longer, so let's just scrap that, that right. name and that brand and maybe bring it back later. But with the Mustang, this car has been going on now for over 50 years. And so, therefore, I think it's one of the best brands. Of course, you get Corvette and that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, all those came along with it. But the Mustang is, is so near and dear to so many people in their hearts. Um, it was not a performance car. So you had a four-seater uh, sports car, basically, that was built back in the early <clears throat> 60s. Right. And the other competition, of course, was a Corvette. So you had Mustangs and Corvettes, right. but the family could use this car. So it could be the, the father could go down to the dealership and say to his wife, you know, it is sort of a family car as well as a sports car. And so I think that that really prompted uh, so many more sales. Of course, Thunderbirds uh, back in the 50s, they were competing against the Corvette. Mm -hmm. And then basically the Corvette was a standalone uh, with, with the Mustang. So. so what's really interesting about that is that, that really, you know, the Mustang is kind of stuck true to its roots, right? It's always rear drive, always front engine. Um, and what's interesting about what you're saying is that, you know, we're talking about this car, which is really, you know, a very kind of everyday usability kind of car, right? right. I mean, with this four-cylinder, you're going to get decent fuel economy. It's not a real noisy car. It is a four-seater. And that's really where it started, too, right? It wasn't like, I'm going to go forget about everything and just have a track car or just have a two-seater. It was something that you could use as your everyday car and also have style. Well, I think that that's really how <clears throat> Ford has done so well over the years is they've stayed to that to that thought process of, of having a car, making it a performance car, but yet still having it as, as an everyday car also, and, and keeping the rear wheel drive, the front engine, right. um, you know, <clears throat> the four-seater, all right. of those things has helped them along the way. I mean, one of the most popular cars ever built, uh, and Ford has really stuck to it, stuck to their original plan, um, and they've improved upon it. So it's almost like you look at Porsche, and Porsche, over the years, yep. built a 356, and they really concentrated on not so much the styling and changing the style every year, sure, yeah. but refining the car. And I think Ford has done that very well compared to a lot of the other manufacturers, is trying to refine something that's already been there and not trying to recreate something. Well, it's interesting. I mean, there's so many silent cues you can see between these cars. I mean, the taillights. Um, it's just certain little pieces of it that, you know, bring you back to those original cars. And, and you know, you talk about, you know, front engine, you know, front wheel drive versus rear wheel drive. And like the late 80s, I mean, they came close to losing that. I, right. I think, what was it, the Ford Probe was originally going to be the Mustang replacement. Exactly. And that's a car that just came and went. Thank goodness. Thank goodness, <laughs> right? I mean, that didn't have a big following. There's no big Ford Probe clubs across the country. Correct. People in Ford Probes don't wave at each other when they're driving by each other. But this car took the test of time and stole soldiers on. Well, there was a point where um, they were trying to use platforms that were worldwide accepted. So mm. the Probe was, was, was one of those platforms that was accepted in Europe as well as here in the United States. So because of that, it probably went away pretty quickly because of that. And it really wasn't a great car. Mm -hmm. um, but the Mustang has really stayed true to its, to its original values as being, again, that, that four-passenger car. 
something that but everybody could make it their own, could make their own statement. So guys went and put their own wheels on it and, and would soup it up and maybe put a different engine in and that stuff. It was that platform, though, that was really important. So, so what are the values of Fords? I mean, what, are there, what, what, what Mustangs really are worth something these days? I mean, if you were going and finding that barn find, I mean, what's the one that you're looking for? Well, when Shelby got involved with Ford, uh, of course, through the, the Cobra, so uh, Shelby put a Ford engine in, in an AC and developed this car called the Cobra. Mm -hmm. Then Ford got more involved with their racing program with, okay. the Ford, with the GTs. And then they went and they said, you know, we could do the same thing with Mustangs. We could put Shelby and you take the cars and you build the cars with our platform and make these racing cars for the street. So the Shelby GT350, I think, is really the, was the beginning of that yeah. process where somebody could actually buy a race car for the street and it was called the Shelby GT350. So what year are we talking about? What was the real? 66. 66? 65, 67. <clears throat> I mean, those so were the really formative years uh, for that type of thing. And it wasn't far away from the actual inception of the car. Right. I mean, the cars right. came out in 1964. Yeah. And, and so because of that, in 1965, they were already thinking racing. They were already thinking that, that yeah. program of taking this car that was the the sports car of the era that a family could afford and a family could drive and now make it a race car. So so when we tested, we tested a 64 and a half mm -hmm. um, back in 1964 and we tested it with a six cylinder right. and that got zero to 60 in 16.8 seconds. So wow. that, that was, that quickly changed. So you talk about a 66, um, uh, the GT350. I mean, if you find one of those in like pristine condition. What, what is a car like that worth today? Oh, it, it could be worth uh, four or $500,000. Really? Uh, yeah. I wow. mean, you know, so uh, just a normal one right now is maybe two fifty dollars to $300,000. Wow. But a lot of them <clears throat> were converted into really race cars, you know, yep. and, and there's not too many that are, that were built like Shelby built them that are bone stock. 350 GT. And what's worth more? Is it the bone stock? Bone stock, absolutely. Ones? So that's but the one? you know, 350R, of course, was 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 the race car that okay. Shelby built. But right. you could buy it as a privateer. <clears throat> you could buy that car and go racing with it. And really? it's so popular today, and it goes so well. It's one of the most fabulous cars to drive because you can get the back end of the car out, and you can you can power slide the car. Really? It's just one of those cars that's balanced so well and drives so well because solid rear axle. Um, so you're not worrying about independent suspension. Uh, there was there was a lot you could do with the car too, and, and they've they've done a fantastic well, job. Amazing and, track, and a great car to drive. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, you talk about you know independent rear suspension and solid rear axle. I mean, Mustangs kind of soldier on with with that for a long time. I mean, right. solid rear. Now we finally have a, a, a independent rear going on. So this is a car that's going to be more creature comforts. It's probably going to ride better. It, they're um, refining the car. And, and, I think but, that's it, yeah. But still, what's great about this new design is, is that it's, it's reformed into this beautifully looking car. It's sculpted, it's, it's beautiful, but yet it uses so many keys from this particular car, the original Mustang. Uh, Freeman Thomas is a good friend of mine, and he's one of the designers at Ford. And, and I think the, all, the whole team has just done a fabulous job in designing this car. So do you think in 50 years this thing's going to be worth a quarter million dollars or more? Well, you know, they build so many of them, but yet yeah. so many fall by the wayside, too. Mm. So, for instance, these Mustangs, a lot of them rusted out, and there was a lot of issues, you know, and, and, and people would just basically scrap these cars. Really? So because there was so many built, but yet now there's so few left. And it's an iconic car. Uh, a family, so a guy that, let's say, that, that's in his 50s or 60s now, that his dad had one, or maybe, you know, he, uh, he bought one when he got out of the service, 
sold it, now he wants it back. That's why these have become so popular. That makes sense. It brings yeah. you back to a certain time in your life. Exactly. This thing was but then, amazing. Yeah. Then you get a new car like this that does everything right. So we've got a car like this, and it's going to have its little quirks. It's going to have its little problems along the way that sure. you have to tinker with all the time. Then you go to this, though, and it represents this era just in a different way. And the technology has brought us into the future now. And these cars are just bulletproof. I mean, they just right. run and run forever. <clears throat> Hardly anything goes wrong with them. Where you found with these cars that maybe you needed an engine at 30,000 miles. Right. You know, if you didn't change the oil properly or regularly. Wow. Now they have oils and, and, and maintenance schedules. You don't have to change the oil we're in these cars for 10,000 miles. We're getting to the something. point where you just kind of weld the hood shut, you yeah. know, and you really get upset if anything goes wrong until 150,000 miles. It's crazy, but, know, it's, but it's true. I mean, tires are getting better. Everything's getting better. I was looking at uh, some of the other tests, and uh, it was 1980. We tested a Mustang Cobra. And, you know, 1980 wasn't really the high mark in terms of horsepower. So, I mean, this was a Cobra Mustang with a 2.3 liter four-cylinder turbo. Not, nothing to do with this engine here. I mean, right. there's no Pinto parts in here. And that went zero to 60 in over 14 seconds. But what was interesting about it was, like you said, it's like you started it up and sometimes it started, sometimes it sputtered and stalled, and those days are long, long gone. You know, the car business, the manufacturers were in a lot of trouble back in those eras, you know, because they were trying to, to balance everything out. You know, they had the, the gasoline problems that were happening, you know, so yep. there was shortage of gasolines. Uh, they had emission problems where the government clamped down on them and said, you know, they got to pass emissions and you had safety issues. Right. So the cars, weren't designed very well. And it, they had it was such a learning a curve. Exactly. They had a short period of time in order to put these cars together and get them on the road and get them sold yeah. in the dealerships. And they weren't good cars. But that's all changed. Um, they figured out how to do all that. They got the safety. They got, they got the emissions. They got the fuel economy. They got all that stuff. And they're putting out, you know, it, it, it's almost like a, another heyday of these cars where you're getting this incredible performance and yet you're, you're hitting those marks. Yeah. Uh, the automobile of today is just so designed so well and built so well that it's, it's an amazing feat that's happened. But, you know, computers and robotics and things like that have really made such a big difference. You, you go to the shut lines of any car today and it's sure. amazing. Uh, yep. You know, how comparative to the old cars. When you were putting a door on a Mustang at the factory, you know how they aligned it? They aligned it with a sledgehammer. <laughs> they basically took a sledgehammer, and if it didn't fit, they smashed the hinge with a sledgehammer and then went and closed the door now, that now way. Now we have, you know. Now, now the computer puts the door on, you know, and it, it makes sure it's lined right. up properly. You got micrometers now instead of where you had sledgehammers before. It's amazing. And, and everything about it. I mean, the tires on this thing. I mean, compared to the old bias plies, that, yeah. you know, it's, it's an amazing difference. Well, and, and how these cars ran and drove too I mean you know so so it, it wasn't a bad thing not to have that much horsepower because they couldn't handle the horsepower <laughs> right. they couldn't handle it going around corners they couldn't yep. handle stopping I mean these cars had drum brakes on them. wow you know yep. so when they first came out it was just drum brakes now it's how big the brakes are is it ceramic brakes right. you know that you can stop on a dime I mean there's so many great things, and the safety issues with these cars. I mean, it, they go if you go out of your lane, it beeps and it tells you well, you're out of your lane. I they've mean, come an amazing. Me for 50 years, a lot of stuff has happened. Well, I, I got to thank you so much for coming on on the show and talking about this, and it's been a, a huge treat. And you know, if you need, you know, me to drift some vintage Ferraris on your show or something, yeah, you, you well, know you where can to find come me. over. We can do that. <laughs> but it, it's it's great to have me here today. Thank you for inviting me and and, and seeing this great car. And uh, I can't wait to see the dealerships and see the response that the public's going to have. That's going to be car. interesting. All Great right. to be with you. Thank you very Thanks. much.